Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking about the Netflix series Partner Track. We are joined today by showrunner Georgia Lee, as well as cast members Arden Cho, Bradley Gibson, and Alexandra Tertian. And Georgia, I wanted to start with a question for you in talking about the way that you've structured and, and built the narrative arc of the series, because you've built, you know, these three characters in, in such a beautiful way where each of them start to go on these journeys of self-reflection and questioning a lot of aspects in terms of the journeys and the paths that their lives are heading on. Um, and I was interested in how you kind of narratively found where feels like the right place to kind of start pulling at the threads a little bit of each of the characters and where you almost wanted there to be tandem elements where there's similar things kind of fracturing a little bit for each of them together because of what that builds into the group dynamic by doing so. Yeah, no, that, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, uh, I always said in the writer's room that the theme of season one um, is actually for all the characters to learn uh, real power comes from being true to yourself. So each one of our main characters goes on that journey. And um, as part of it, we give them each Faustian bargains. Um, that's part of the structure, the underlying structure of each of their storylines um, for, for Rachel, for Tyler, and for Ingrid. Um, and one of the things we try to do is roughly parallel track um, their different journeys along the way, along the season. Um, I think it's episode four where you really see that come to head, where um, each one of their characters is is faced with um, kind of a critical moment where they have to sell their soul a little bit, um, and they both they all kind of choose to do so a little bit. So, yeah. And Arden, you know, with your character, I really love, there's a scene in one of the episodes where she's having a conversation with her mom in the bathroom and her mom kind of points out, you know, you're someone who's incredibly empathetic and you're always very sensitive to everyone around you. And I thought that was a really interesting character trait, particularly, you know, alongside a lot of the strength and fruition that she has as a character, that there is also this, this softer element that that's very aware of people's emotional fabric around her. And it's actually part of what makes her really great at her job. But I was interested in having a detail like that, that you're shaping into the character and shaping into your performance, how you really look to a lot of the emotional trajectory of the characters around her and how she would respond to that. Yeah, I mean, I think for Ingrid, it was so important for me as an actor to make sure that some of the choices she makes that might hurt someone in her life, it wasn't a choice she made to hurt them. It was like, she's just trying to make everyone happy. She's trying to do the right thing in every situation, you know, even with, um, even with like romance or the friendships, it's like the choices she's making, she's making a lot of mistakes, but I think in her mind, it's, but I'm doing the best that I can. And, and, and it's just like, I think it's that struggle where there's a part of her that's like, maybe this is the best way, but isn't sure either which is very normal and relatable because I feel like we as people have those sorts of scenarios and moments in our life constantly. And Bradley, one of the things that, that I loved kind of early on with your character is in seeing his relationship dynamic with his boyfriend, 
that he's not someone who leans in towards conflict, you know, even the two of them having a conversation where he's acknowledging, you know, oh, I haven't seen you in the morning the last few days, you've already been up and out. It's not a conflict. Um, you know, he's not trying to be argumentative. And so as the season progresses, when he does kind of end up in a place where because of the actions within the firm, he feels compelled to leave and also to publicly talk about it um you know kind of what it takes for him to reach that level I thought was such a great build in terms of your performance and so I was interested in how you approach that idea of him being a very non-confrontational character and what it really takes in terms of his trajectory as a character to push him to a place like that Faster question I think that Tyler not confrontational he's not a you know, he's not a rigid person or a hard person or a hateful person. He's someone that stands up for himself. And I think that that's really put to the test as the season progresses, right? Up to that moment where he has to do something he doesn't feel is right, one, by blackmailing Valdo. The second that happens, he feels that shift when he chooses to, you know, make a deal with the devil, right? when you have to sign up for that trajectory, when you know that that change is happening. But then when it happens in a different way to him in the workplace where he already feels, he already is othered, right? He already is different. He already is in that minority. He already is swallowing microaggressions here and there, moments that people don't understand besides other people of color like Ingrid, like his other best friend. But for then, he he realizes that I can't one feel I can't feel tied down like a bad person for for hurting someone else along with now myself feeling hurt and disrespected and disregarded and unseen and the only choice is to stand up for myself and to you know when you're pushed so far where the only option is to scream the only option is to scream and to make so much noise and for, you know, for that to happen and then to feel like the people around him, you know, justice isn't isn't the final result. And in fact, <laughs> the final result is his best friend, the other person in the in, in the building that also is other like him is actually not on his side. It's the most unsafe environment in the world where he just has to, you know, he has to stand, stand up for himself and he has to let go of the goals and the dreams that he has been pushing for for probably his, you know, his entire life, not just a college, post-college life. This is my entire life. I am now changing the course of my life because I can't feel like this anymore. I can't feel so small. I can't be working so hard to be seen. Um, so yeah, I think that he was just pushed. And when you're pushed so far that the only option is to scream. Absolutely. And and Alex, in, in talking about Rachel a little bit, you know, she's she's a character who has a lot of self-confidence on the surface. You know, she's completely comfortable sitting in a room and being the person to say how good at her job she is because she knows that's a very true fact. And yet as the season progresses and she starts to look at potentially going on a writer's fellowship and stepping into a space that's just completely unknown and completely new to her where she doesn't have that that track record to back herself up yet. Um, I love the way that it starts to open up insecurities and vulnerabilities in a different way for her as a character. And so in your performance, how did that open up a different landscape and place that you wanted to take that character when we first started filming I 
knew who Rachel was almost immediately from the words on the page. Georgia made it so clear who Rachel was. Um, Rachel's in the beginning of the season is really good at calling other people out on their bullshit. Two of my favorite uh, scenes are with Ingrid. They're actually the first two scenes, I think. Um, I call Ingrid out on, uh, we don't apologize and we don't apologize for apologizing. Guys don't do that. We don't do that. I, I call out um, my romantic, my, my meet cute moment with uh, the lovely Robbie Atal. I call him out on disrespecting my girl. I'm really good at pointing fingers at everyone else and making sure that I'm in, you know, I'm in their corner and I'm, I'm lifting other people up around me. Right. But Rachel's journey is to, like you said, uh, find another possibility in life that, that fulfills her a little bit more. And, and she gets, uh, she gets that opportunity. She stumbles upon that opportunity by, uh, writing the what is it, the retreat talent show play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah so she enters a world where she has absolutely no idea what she's doing she meets other people in the world um of of uh what's his name justin oh my gosh it's been so she meets other world and she meets people in the world of justin who are writers are creatives are people doing living that lifestyle and making sacrifices in order to um support their art and that's some that's an idea that's totally foreign to Rachel so uh she has to learn to she has to learn to figure that out she has to learn what she's willing to sacrifice in order to find deeper meaning in her life I think that's very relatable I certainly related to that and yeah I that's her that's her season basically I don't want to I don't know how I don't want to spoil too much but yeah you haven't seen episode 10 yet right not yet. Well, yeah. But yeah, she does go down a, a playwriting route, which is, some might say, uh, quite a different life than a litigator. <laughs> and Georgia, in the way that, you know, in particular, you've written this friendship between these three characters, you've created this, this very unique, tight-knit dynamic, because it's not just about these are colleagues that are working together, they're living and breathing their jobs. So even they're not having breakfast in their own home, they're having breakfast at the cafeteria in the office, you know, they're there on Thanksgiving, they're there holidays, nights and weekends. Um, and so there's a real kind of melding of their worlds in in such an intense way. And, and also that opens up the way that they're able to lean on each other and trust each other so much. And then at, at the end of the day, you do create a fragmentation in that friendship group, um, which was really interesting to watch. And I was I was interested in how you kind of figured out narratively, where does it make sense, particularly in making sure that the audience kind of see this dynamic to then break it apart a little bit and particularly in looking at Ingrid because then that creates a very different narrative trajectory in watching her character without this support system and without this group of people that she can lean on and how that makes her problems and the things that she's going through narratively you know a little bit of a different trajectory than if they were still all together. Thank you so much for um, highlighting and even seeing the deep structure that we worked on for the season. <laughs> yes thank you. Oh um, People never notice that, so that's lovely. <laughs> yes, um, yes, uh, and I have to give credit to the writers' room too because we we worked hard on trying to structure each individual character storyline as well as how in concert it works as a whole. Um, and absolutely, this trio we call it friendship is magic, right? 
is kind of the heart of the show. Um, and it's what's most valuable, right? Um, and Ingrid, um, in her journey, in her Faustian bargains, starts to bargain it all away. Um, and she bargains away what is most valuable for what she thinks is valuable, which is to make partner. Um, and I don't want to give it away because you haven't seen episode 10 yet. But um, um, this is what each character comes to learn, you know, what is what is truly meaningful and valuable in life. Um, and all that glitters is not gold. Trying to make partner. They all want to make partner, uh, with the exception of probably Rachel in the beginning, who doesn't care. And I love that you notice that she seems really strong on the outside, but inside is actually quite um, confused and insecure. Um, but yeah, so that that is the deep structure that we built into it, is that this friendship is what is most important and part of the show. It gets completely blown up um, because of the personal choices um, really that Ingrid makes. And then that deep learning, I, I mean, you probably could, in episode 10, spoiler alert, um, she has to make amends and um, bring what is most valuable back together again. Yeah, I really love that. And and Arden Bradley and Alex, you know, in, in that similar vein, I was interested in how the three of you worked to really build out the dynamic and figure out what the chemistry of this group's gonna be, because it's it's about the dialogue from the scripts, but it's also what's their nonverbal language as friends. And then also within that, once there are disagreements, when there is conflict within the three of them, what's their language of communication when they're in conflict with one another as well? Because it's all from such an emotional place for them all. And so how did you work to really build that out and structure out a lot of those details? Well, I always say we got really lucky because we we didn't even chem read together. And we're always like, this is so crazy. Casting and producers, Georgia, showrunner, everyone did such a good job choosing actors that when we met, we were like, wait, this is so fun. And I'll, I'll never forget our first like walk and talk day that we're like, Oh man, walking and talking is a lot harder than it looks. <laughs> I remember we just laughed so much and that friendship was easy. And then we were always like, this is sad. I miss you guys. We'd have like our group text of the three of us and be like, we miss you guys. It was it was lonely in the times after Ingrid made some tough choices, bad choices. <laughs> yeah, I think that my worst fear when I got the role of Tyler was, oh my God, will I like these girls playing my friends, will they like me? Will we vibe well? Are we gonna look right next to each other? What's gonna happen? And that first day, like Arden said, it was pure magic. And that is a testament to casting, to Georgia, to the producers, to everyone a part of the show in somehow finding the right people to play friends because we really just locked in. And over time, it of course has grown stronger. And I think as far as the characters, one on paper, they read so beautifully and it was so easy. Yeah. There was no way these characters are gonna walk to work together and bring each other's coffee and talk in the way they're talking in these nuanced ways without having such history together and knowing that they went to law school together, knowing that they now work together, they're sharing so much time together. And that dynamic, you know, it's different based on each character, right? It's not the same for racial and Tyler as it is for Tyler and Ingrid, or it is for Ingrid and Rachel. There's a different energy that makes them all work. And I think personally for me with Tyler, you know, there's something special with Ingrid, like I said earlier, because she is also a person of color in the space. 
she has also, you know, went to school with him as a person of color at Harvard Law. We're experiencing that together constantly. So there's a there's a, a, a conversation, a dialogue that they're having together without even talking. I'm sure I know for a fact that it's just on the table and it's probably like a huge breath of fresh air and a release to have in this really tight, you know, hardcore world of corporate law at Parsons, whereas with Rachel, they both have I feel that they have like a really great mutual respect for each other's strength and for each other's, you know, awareness for life and how they kind of are there in Ingrid's life, you know, to kind of steer her and, you know, hear her out and guide her to, you know, hopefully the right choices, even though she often makes the opposite <laughs> choice in what we say. But yeah, that, we're really good at telling her what to do and then she doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Hey, we wouldn't have a show if not, right? The writing is good. But it was all on paper and then to match it with just perfect casting and, you know, these talented ladies, I think it just, I think the friendship, it's so rich and it reads so well on screen and it just makes me so proud of, of the work that everyone put in. Yeah. And for you, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I knew that I truly deeply was going to fall in love with both of you after the first Zoom. Like the first Zoom meeting, I think that's when we, I, I mean, I was just thrown into the mix like last minute and then I popped up on Zoom and I was seeing who everybody was. And I knew, I think, Bradley, you caught my eye first. There was, uh, we read a dancing scene, like where we all had to sort of like boogie in the script. And I was like, oh man, here's going to be the real test. Are these guys, these guys going to be cool and actually dance on Zoom a little bit by themselves in their hotel rooms? Are they going to be... Are they, are, are they taking themselves really seriously? And all of you guys started dancing. We just kind of like had this moment in front of all of these new executives we had just met, the writers, <laughs> Netflix was there. And I went, um, yeah, I'm gonna like these people a lot. <laughs> we, can, we can play. For me, playing is important. Being, going, going with the flow of the scene. I mean, we have the words in front of us, but that once we get into the moment, I that that magic that you're talking about, it comes from just just experienced actors who who come from a place of kindness and generosity and a willingness to play. And both Arden and Bradley have that. Um, and it made scenes so fun with them. They're so rich and so nuanced. And then as we got to know each other. It actually in real life that just kept building and building and building and all the layers and all of the little looks and you know <laughs> the it just yeah it just got so rich and fun and yeah like you said Bradley casting was you know totally nailed it um seriously and just building this uh this organic little group that really I don't know yeah it just it just works I don't know what that that magic is but they saw it I love I'm that. I'm very grateful and yeah, because we we try, but then you don't know until you actually get everybody together if it's going to work. And um, I'm very, very grateful and relieved <laughs> that it worked so well, as well as it does. Oh, yes. sure. <laughs> we are <And> then, <laughs> Cause it the, it's lightning in a bottle, right? So mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so and Arden and Bradley, I wanted to ask you about some of the specific nuances and and how you really found a lot of the emotional texture for filming the scene where Ingrid has to be the one to deliver the news of, you know, 
essentially the company are trying to buy your silence and they'll offer you $500,000 to sign an NDA. And if you walk away from the company, um, because I thought that was played really beautifully between the two of you. And especially with, you know, everything that you were just saying about the history of the friendship that you're bringing, even in a moment like that, you know, and going back to what Georgia was saying about Faustian choices for both of your characters, that's such a huge moment in regards to that for both of them. I've seen that scene literally a thousand times and every single time I'm like, oh. Like I know, just her talk, you just talking about it, I got like goosebumps again, because every time I think about it, I just feel like sick to my stomach. I just, I hate, I hate it. I hate it so much. And and I think for me as an actor, you know, our cast is so great. Our actors are so generous. And even Bradley, like he just made it so easy for, for me, like looking at Bradley, like looking at you now, I'm like, I'm always like, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. Like, I'm really so sorry that I did that, that I had to do that, that I made that choice, that I didn't say, F you, Marty, like, I'm not doing this. Like, I mean, of course, then we wouldn't have a show, but I feel like, yeah, Bradley made it easy. It was just, and because we had that friendship and we had that bond and we had our like unity and then she broke it. And yeah. so I just feel like it was written so well to, really make our jobs easy. And, you know, I feel like Bradley and I were always like, oh, sad. We had so many sad, tough scenes together. And we're like, oh, sad. All of it like makes my stomach turn. Ugh. It makes me emotional just thinking about it too, Arden, you know, know. what it felt like in those moments. I think about the first moment where I really felt it was um, at, the, at the retreat when yeah. Dan makes a speech and I'm Tyler leaves and you come after and Ingrid comes after Tyler. That first time we did that, I was like, I don't want to yell at Arden. That's I, I love her. But you know, I really felt like, like I said earlier, there's a dynamic and a conversation that happens between Ingrid and Tyler that is so silent and that is so, it is so nuanced and only few people in that world would understand. And to know that she made a choice, right? You know, there's a short list of people in his life in that moment that he can just count on to be in his corner. He would never ever expect that Ingrid would be the one to come to his office with this offer of this money and this India. It just, it was so heartbreaking and shattering. And I just felt like when I was playing it, I thought about, what would that really human response be, right? What would happen if my best girlfriend was, you know, stabbing me in the back essentially in this way and hurting me so deeply in a way that she knows would also hurt herself, right? I just thought like, I, I have, there's a moment where I laugh a little bit because it almost is just so ridiculous. disgusting and ridiculous. You know me better than this. You, you, you love me. I love you. How could this be the way the cards are turning for us? Um, right. no, but Arden made it incredibly easy too, because you know I just looked into her eyes and I could see that that you know the choice that she's making is one thing, but the look in her eyes is saying another thing. And it's kind of like, where are you? Are you right. here with me? Like, where'd my friend go? And that you know that's just a, a testament to the beautiful work of. Miss Arden show. <laughs> oh, thank you, Bradley. No, I feel like when you're talking about the retreat too, it's in those looks, right? I feel like that built it. Just sitting through um, 
the Dan Fallon speech. I mean, Nolan did such a good job and did a beautiful job in a very tough, tough monologue. But, you know, Bradley and I, we'd look at each other, we'd look at the room and we're just like, how is this real? How is it happening? And even though we're acting, I mean, we were there. We felt it. We yeah. heard it. And it was not, not fun, but like beautiful because we're creating that moment for hopefully the world to see what it might feel like to be us or someone like us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you're acting, you're, you're, you might be acting, but your body and your brain don't know the difference between acting and real life. So sitting in that space and hearing those words and looking around yeah. the space and seeing a lot of white people around me. And, you know, it was a lot on my heart. And the same thing for the moment when, you know, when he does decide to leave Parsons, that's a lot on my heart. And I just like Arden, I hope people watch it and see that, you know, what it's like to be othered in a space that's supposed to be safe, a space you have to go into every single day as your job to make your living. What does that feel like whenever you don't feel respected, seen, or safe? How do you go in day after day? So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, off the back of, of what Bradley and Arden are saying there, Georgia, um, I wanted to ask a little bit about some of, some of the more micro language in the dialogue and in the scripts, because you've obviously got something like Dan's routine at the retreat, which is so overtly racist but there's a lot of details within the scripts and within the show which really explore a lot of microaggressions and maybe it's just the act of calling someone sweetheart who is a professional colleague you know doing a very high-powered job or saying we've got our best men on this but it's actually Ingrid walking in the room who's working on that contract um, and so how did you work with with the writer's room to not only explore the larger narrative aggressions that you wanted to bring into the show but also just to kind of pepper in those small details which really approach a lot of the the subtleties of the microaggressions which build up into larger moments absolutely um some of that was actually wonderfully in the book already so um for example the scene with um ted lassiter in uh the pilot in the first episode when ingrid walks in um he Ted just assumes that Justin, the white male in the room, is the lawyer, uh, not the paralegal. So stuff like that, you know, and asks, um, and that actually happened to Helen, I think, you know, or the author. Um, so a lot of the inspiration for these microaggressions just came from a lot of people in the writer's room's own experiences. Um, and I think that's why it might feel real is because it was coming from real lived experiences. Well, I really appreciate everything that you've all done in in creating this show. I'm excited to go and watch episode 10 after we finish chatting today. Um, so appreciate you sharing all of these details and congratulations on everything with the series. Thank you so much to all of you. Thank you so much, Mara. Thank you for having us. Uh,